1: morning everyone how's it going out there this is uh Tyler Dunn here with Jim Monis episode five of the go long podcast I'm Tyler of golongtd.com Jim of lo- our longtime pro personnel expert Eagles Saints bills xFL analyst guru a little bit of everything and he's going to be running a team here soon. If you, if you want to break that news, you can always do it on here, Jim.
2: Great to be back for episode five. Um, as far as running a team, let's get a job first. <laughs> that that's always a start. Um, but definitely been paying attention to some of these GM interviews. Um, really excited to see Champ Kelly and Terry Fontenot um, getting a lot of interviews. Terry Fontenot's with the Saints, and if you follow their drafts in the last three years, four years, they're doing some big time drafting. Um, that anybody that really pays attention to scouting and drafts Um, they're doing it the right way and and there's no secret there other than they have good scouts and good personnel men Terry Fontenot is deserving hope he gets a crack champ Kelly with the Bears worked in Denver for years um, before he went to Chicago and I know that you know the Bears are you know their team is basically eight and eight and they snuck in the playoffs and the quarterback is the biggest issue there, but if you really do pay attention, they've drafted pretty well, um, and, and it'd be nice to see a guy like Champ Kelly get uh, Champ Kelly get a shot too. So uh, just this time of year is always fun for guys like me that you know are in scouting their whole life and coaching and paying attention to all the movement. Um, but yeah, it, this is a uh, this is gonna be fun this week with yeah. wildcard and, and yeah. all the coaching hires and firings.
1: Three games Saturday, three games Sunday. Uh, the NFL wanted this. Two more uh, two more playoff teams and only one by each conference, so we get more football on Wildcard Weekend, I guess. Why
2: not? And hey, it gives us a chance to drink a, a little bit more of this little bit lager now from yes. Hamburg Brewing, even though we're
1: not there tonight in person. I didn't set the scene. That's a good call. We're here uh, at my home in, in beautiful Boston, New York, not at our... Our mainstay of Hamburg Brewing. Thanks, thanks for adjusting, Jim. Just had to finish up a story today. So uh time there's a little bit of a time crunch, but here we are drinking a little bit of lager now. It just came out. It is smooth. It's got enough bite at 6.0, a little citra. Hitting you just right for playoff time. I could see this being a three-beer episode. <laughs> this way, the way this tastes right now. Only three, huh? Wow. Jim lightweight bonus, they call him. Huh? It's three it's still early okay okay man all right well what do you want to start with jim i mean is there a game that jumps out to you i guess we got to start local right i mean bills colts the bills are rolling nobody can stop them josh allen's an mvp candidate but the colts aren't pushovers i, I don't know i mean i at the end of the day i can't get past 39 year old philip rivers who looked really really bad in that second half against pittsburgh josh allen on a roll. That you know that to me that's kind of where it ends, but this is not a good matchup for Buffalo, right? Jonathan Taylor is one of the hottest running backs in the league. He is calibrated with this offensive line. They're seeing the same thing out there. They're running the ball at will. Defensively, I guess the question right is if they can they just hang on? Can can you get a couple possessions? Can you can you get a couple turnovers some way somehow? That's probably their best hope, but just the fact that the Colts can run the ball and the Bills they haven't even been in a close game, in, which feels like forever. That uh, they they haven't stopped the run in in those close games.
2: Went back when they had them. And this will be the biggest test for their defense. Who you know, for the most part, they've played ahead. And the Bills are third ranked in the NFL in first half point differential, which is a major sign um, for the better teams because they're getting up on teams at halftime. They're dictating how they want the game to go. And the Bills have done that where you have to come get us and the Colts have to do some, they have to find a way to keep the ball out of Josh's hands and keep this game close until halftime because they, they aren't going to be a team that can come from behind. I really don't think so. The the biggest, one of the biggest mismatches in this game is Josh Allen and Phillip Rivers Mm -hmm. on those two sides of the ball. Josh Allen's played. I mean, obviously he's MVP caliber. Phillip Rivers is, you know, this is it. I mean, I don't, I don't see it going much further than this and he's getting give you what he's got but they need to run the ball and keep the ball away from Buffalo. The interesting thing for the Colts on defense is they aren't very, they're not a good third down defense and the bills are outstanding. 3rd down offense. And that's a bad recipe for the Colts. Hmm. And I'm seeing, I'm thinking about Josh and Phillip rivers mismatch third down defense. Colts, not good. Bill's third down offense. Good. First half will show a lot. Turnover margin is where the Colts are outstanding. Their turnover margin is second in the NFL per game. And that tells you they're not going to beat themselves. Yeah. yeah. And that's big. You know, Buffalo's going to have to show up and do their things. But I think if Buffalo's just playing the way they've been playing, and Dave will call in the game. He's been calling and mixing and matching the runs and both running backs and all the receivers they use. I, yeah, I, I do think the bills win this game. Um, just based on those things, it would have to be, it would have
1: to be a a meltdown from Josh Allen, I think for the Colts to win. So is that meltdown possible? The last time we saw him in the playoffs, it was ugly. Don't need to remind the fans out there, but you had two dropped pick sixes. You had the bad sack that he took late. You had the bomb to Patrick DeMarco. You had the lateral downfield. Has he cleansed all of this out of his system permanently? I think Josh Allen and Lamar Jackson, have to win these games yeah
2: i really do or else i really think it's going to become an issue where it's what is the problem because these guys are hot lamar's hot josh allen's hot tennessee does not have good defense the bills are better than the colts baltimore and buffalo should win their games this weekend how i feel do you, are you picking the bills then and i am i am somewhat of a easy I am. Slight no slight no no, no. never such th- go- th- no such thing as easy um, if it was, I wouldn't be doing this. I'd live in, <laughs> Vegas. I'd live in Vegas full-time. But uh, I do think the Bills win, and I do think Baltimore wins. I would take both
1: of them, yes. Which is interesting in, in that Baltimore-Tennessee game because you know Baltimore's the hotter team. Tennessee's defense has is, is played really bad. I mean, they've given up 30-plus points in half of their games this year. But in that matchup, I mean, Tennessee does kind of have their number. Obviously, they beat them in the playoffs last oh. year. They loaded up to stop the run. They forced Lamar to throw. Lamar couldn't throw. They basically laughed in his face after the game. And there's a real rivalry there. I mean, that's going to be fun. You just don't really get a game like this where two teams hate each other. It, I think there's actually a real hatred there. You could see it in the rematch this year, right? At midfield when Mike Vrabel, or I'm sorry, John Harbaugh's John with uh, Malcolm Butler. Vrabel gets in there. I mean, there's it's just it's refreshing to see. It reminds me of watching football in the 90s when they're you know the, the guys weren't exchanging jerseys and dapping each other up and being lovey dovey. I, I like a little hatred. I want these teams to loathe each other. That's what football is. So that's why that game to me is the best game this weekend. I thought you were gonna say it took you back to the '90s and '80s basketball playoffs. <laughs> and so
2: those, those, I, I'm with you. I yeah. like when I like when those teams don't like each other and, and you can feel it. I think Baltimore has to somehow find a way to control their emotions. Mm-hmm and win this game and get get over the dancing stuff on the field like I honestly that's it's disrespectful okay if it's a little motivation. But no,
1: it's you got to just go out and win this game that's all you need to do to set that you know put that all. You got JK Dobbins instead of Mark Ingram you got a defense that's playing better than Mm -hmm. even where this point last year and Lamar Jackson is playing like the MVP we saw last year we talked about him a ton on this Mm -hmm. podcast, but I I think baltimore wins that game, I, I think they can and then. They might be the team that goes to Arrowhead. Look, eh, here we are, Patrick Mahomes. How soon do the podcast. But I, if, if Baltimore can dictate the terms, if they can dictate the terms of a, any game, they, they can beat mm-hmm. anybody. Because I, when they're rolling downhill, nobody can stop that. We have talked about the five teams that we feel
2: like, you know, they can win the Super Bowl. And Baltimore's the one, one of them. I mean, for sure. Nobody wants to play Lamar. We know that. And their defense... It's for some reason, I guess when you talk about Baltimore, we talk so much about the running game and Lamar. Mm-hmm. That defense is is so good. Those corners are tough, Mark Peters and Humphrey. Yeah, big physical um, ball hawk. They, they they take they make the most of their opportunities. They will finish the play, which a lot of corners don't finish. Those corners finish. Yeah. They make you pay for bad throws. And to me. I do an analytic kind of a power rank. Everybody has their power rankings that nobody cares about. How do you come up with your power rankings? They change every week, but I've always done one kind of analytically just to keep track. And it really holds, it holds true for the most part. It gives you an idea as who's playing well. Baltimore is the number one team for me. Wow. And my analytics. What goes into as, your equation? So it's probably, it's about nine stats that I have that I consider the, the most important stats. And those nine, I average those out now, obviously, and obviously that's how you get it now. It's, it's Baltimore. And then it's obviously there's like three, it's, it's Buffalo, New Orleans, Green Bay. They're all right there. Um, and it's going to be fun. There's not a big discrepancy between those teams, but it kind of shocked me when I did it to see, wow, Baltimore, you know, the chiefs haven't really dominated football. Like maybe they're capable of, but at some point you have to be scared of saying they're capable of dominating everybody and they're just going to get it back. They still have to do it. And, they need to play some good football, a little bit better than they've played, I think, to get
1: back. That's a great point. I had a, a reader um, in our discussion thread that had, had to go along last week. I thought he made a great point that the Chiefs in 2020 remind him a lot of the Packers in, in 2011. You're off off of a Super Bowl win. You're rolling most of the season. That Packers team went 15-1. and one, And then right at the tail end of that season, I mean, that – you know they kind of struggled, especially on defense. I mean, they were giving up yards and chunks, and you can only ask your quarterback and your offense to to, to bail you out so many times, right? Um, the thing is, I, I feel like Patrick Mahomes can just bail them out. I, I feel like if there's anybody who can just be that eraser. It's him, but I think the fact that they kind of did show their vulnerabilities toward the end of the season, it's, it's going to make this postseason a hell of a lot of fun to watch. I mean, the Bills could win. The Ravens can win. I mean, the Titans can score with anybody. We've we've talked about their offense. Um, The One team, though, and and if I'm cutting you off here, I mean, jump in. But I want to really get your take on the Pittsburgh Steelers because, you know, this team just really fascinates me. They're 11-0. They're rolling. Their defense is just loaded with with playmakers, with old-school thumpers, guys that want to steal your soul. And we have a story on that. Today, talking to Vince Williams, I and mean, he's a throwback to the Greg Lloyds and the Levon Kirklands, and he thinks you can play that way today, which we're, we're going to find out. But where do they kind of factor into this all? I mean, can, can that defense just flip a switch? Can they just turn it on? And offensively, what does Ben Roethlisberger have left? Because I mean, I guess what gives you a little hope is that second half against the Colts, it, it seemed like they were pushing the ball downfield more. They've got all these studs at receiver, they can't run the ball, so you might as well just try to make some plays in the passing game. But do, do you see an equation for, for them to, to make any noise at all? Or are, are they done?
2: They certainly can make noise. I'm worried about the health of their offensive line. Great point. And that is, to me, is the reflection on Ben, his struggles a little bit. Because let's face it, he and Rivers, they need help. I mean, they need protection at this point. They're not running around. And that's what we're going to have to see this weekend against Cleveland. If they can come out and protect him, I do think they can win that game for sure and and challenge anybody because I do like that. The defense is just tough.
1: Browns are just ravaged by COVID. Absolutely. Right. I mean, what a, I mean, you gotta be kidding me, right? Mm -hmm. This team is just cursed for a generation. You make the playoffs and the coach who who brought you there who, because it's not just like, he's a really good coach, the way that, what makes him a great coach. Everybody says in that building is the intuition and the ability to adjust. And during a game, okay, this team's taking this away. We're going to hit you this way. Oh, okay, the Titans are expecting to start. We're going to come out and throw the ball over, all over the place. He's not stubborn. He's unbelievable in-game coach, and they're not going to have him. I mean, to be a Cleveland Browns fan, Jim, what, what are you doing right now?
2: It hurts bad because it doesn't seem fair. But something tells me that Stefanski, I love the way he's handled it this week. He hasn't cried. He hasn't said one thing, this isn't fair. He is totally taking responsibility for it. And we're gonna do everything we can within the rules to max out you know, what I can give input wise for this game. It's opposite to me of what Joe Judge did for the Giants after the Eagles, who obviously what we're talking about is the Giants could have made the playoffs if the Eagles beat Washington. Philadelphia pulls their court hurts and puts Sudfeld in fourth quarter, it made no sense. And to be honest, it was completely a joke and disrespectful. I didn't like what Philadelphia did. But what I liked even less was what Joe Judge said, criticizing Philadelphia. And I just think a true leader is what Stefanski is doing Mm -hmm. and not crying and making excuses. When Joe Judge won six games all year and is crying about Philadelphia pulling their second string quarterback for the third string quarterback that may have helped you make the playoffs. I thought that was an opportunity for Joe Judge to stand up and say, hey, that hurt but I told my team, Hey, we're in this position because we only won six games. And this is what happens when you only win six games and don't, you know, you don't, you don't control your own destiny. And that's, that was a chance for him. I thought to really step up and I didn't like, I didn't like the calling out of Peterson, the Eagles that everybody's going to do that. Everybody knows that was a a BS move on Philly's part. That was a joke. I didn't like it one bit, but I really thought that was a good shot for judge to like, Hey man, you be the leader of this giant team and say, guys, don't cry about that. We got, we got to fix our problems. We got to get our franchise quarterback, right? Who, I the, you know, they're supposedly franchise quarterback, Daniel Jones. We got to make him make some plays. I got to do a better job as a coach. You know, say some, take some responsibility for this. You won six games. Like, you don't think Miami, you think Miami wants to hear you cry the blues mm-hmm. about your six wins? So I, I guess I, what I'm saying is I really, Stefanski's proving more and yeah. more why he should be the man.
1: Should be the coach of the year. Uh Ooh, well, let's like, in a second, but I'm trying to find a way to disagree with you here on Joe judge. I do. I mean, everything you said, there's is, is, is spot on. I mean, you hit the nail on the head, you know, with Philadelphia though, and I think we might be in agreement on this, it, obviously the way they kind of went about it was clumsy and dumb and Doug Peterson has proven to kind of be a clumsy coach himself sometimes. But if, you know, I don't really think it's that much different than I I get it. that The Bills earned their right to rest Josh Allen. I've heard that argument. I I get it. Adam shine had a great point on his radio program on serious love shine. Um, but is it that different in looking out for the best interest of your team? I mean, you improve your draft position. You don't want to get Jalen hurts injured if he is your guy. Um, you're thinking big picture. You didn't earn the right to do it. I get it, but it's not that much different than the Bills just resting Josh Allen. I mean, what Doug Peterson should have done, I think, where it was clumsy. It's like just start Sudfeld, snap number one. Just take the bullets all week and just basically word it how Doug was wording it on our podcast two episodes ago, I believe, and the art of tanking. I mean, I there there could have been a more graceful way, I feel like, for the Eagles to go about that than what they did. In terms of Joe Judge, totally agree with you. It's like at the end of the day, you're six and ten. Conversation debate ends there. To play devil's advocate, I mean, you, the players love him. I mean, he really is building something there. I think internally, like that Logan Ryan, who's seen a lot of different coaches at a, in a lot of different places, he swears by him. Just he really thinks that when they're zero and five and everything's going wrong, that he he found a way to get everybody motivated in the morning and they, they they dug themselves out of that hole and looked like they might win the division. Then they kind of fell back in another hole. I think he looked at that as an opportunity, like, okay, like, we're never going to quit. I'm going to try to use this as a rallying point for my guys right now. Like it was, he worded everything beautifully. If that's your message, right? Like we're going to fight, damn it. We're not going to pull that shit. Like we're going to fight in that moment. And I, I get that. Like that was his opportunity I don't think he was looking at it as an opportunity, like, all right, well, we got to fix everything in house and we stink and let's fit. He's, you know, trying to send a message. I don't think anything actually like carries over into the next year, but maybe that was the theory there. Agree with you. He obviously was doing something right this year to
2: keep a team together like that. They did play hard. And if you watch them, they did some pretty good things. They were maxing out. I thought they maxed out their offense this year. As far as, Oh my God, I thought they did some creative things. Like they had some, you know, obviously they had the, but you're working. Exactly. Now I think they do have some good tight ends and receivers, but they were injured and, you know, in and out of the lineup this mm-hmm. year. But once they had them all back, it, it started, I mean, they had some success. So there's the team's playing for them. I'm just saying, I thought that was a chance to say, Let, let's you're better. You're like, let's take it one more step. Let's get better than six wins. But you're right. He did word it correctly. He didn't
1: really attack the Eagles too hard. Can I ask you this? And then we'll hit hit one of these uh, spots for blue wire. Like, so when you're in your chair, you know, I always call you assistant GM, right-hand man, (laughs) director of pro personnel. Like you, you ran a lot of stuff at the Buffalo Bills. You're running the show right there with Doug. So when you're sitting in that chair, Jim, like, and Rex is doing whatever the hell Rex is doing every week. I didn't know what message he was putting out at any given moment, you gotta be like, what are you doing? Oh, you got the Patriots this week and you're pretending like you don't even know who their running back is. Was it Deion Lewis that week that went nuts or, and, and like, he's, oh, I don't know his name. It's going to be blunt. within Dion. Deion, like he just, there's so many moments where you got to just be banging your head against the wall with this guy. I think when it comes to
2: head coaches and front offices, I think it's always going to be behind closed doors. We have the talent they're not getting coached correctly. Coaches <laughs> are sitting in their meetings saying, what are we supposed to do <laughs> with this? We don't have the talent. I honestly think that happens in every building. I really do. In terms of the messaging though, I'm saying like the messaging of Rex. Not coming out on a press conference and like upsetting another team or. Rex, you... is, Rex that's Rex though. Like, yeah. I think you want a guy to be himself. And if that's Joe Judge and he's being himself and he felt passionate about it, I get it. And And that's to me is just be yourself. But I think there is a way to at least control it. You can be yourself too, but in the media, it's sometimes is
1: okay. There's a chance to give your team a message by not acting that way. Love it. Love it. All right. Well, let's uh, take this opportunity to remind everybody that we're hosted by Blue Wire, um, which just has a ton of great podcasts that you can listen to. And uh, I want to tell you about Blue Wire Hustle a brand new program where you can host your very own podcast here at Blue Wire. Hustle was created to give everyone the opportunity to take your podcast to the next level. Or if you want to host a podcast and just don't know where to start, Hustle is the place for you as part of the program. You'll receive personal cover art, Q&As with Blue Wire's top podcasters, access to our community Discord, and an e-learning course full of tips and tricks. on top of that, we'll help you get your show pushed out to Apple, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, and all other listening platforms. And the best part is... You can get all this for $15 a month, the same rate as any other hosting site would charge just for the initial setup. So whether you're starting from scratch or have an existing show that you want to grow, Hustle is an open door to leveling up your sports experience. Acceptance into the program is limited. So to get your application in today, go to bwhustle.com join. Check out the description box for the episode to find out more. That's bwhustle.com join. We'll be back with Roman Harper, who we didn't mention at the top of the show, Jim. We should have we should have really led with that. But our guest today is a special one. Our first guest, which we want to make a thing here at Go Long, is Roman Harper, somebody you know well. Want to give us a little tease before we get into this? Interview? This is good.
2: We're gonna get a good breakdown. Um, Roman's working for the SEC Network right now and ESPN, um, doing some things, breaking down analysts, college football analysts. Alabama grad, um, and I was the area scout for the Saints when we drafted Roman in the second round 2006 draft. He's in the Saints Hall of Fame right now. Um, we've always maintained a, you know, friendship and, and relationship. And there's not many people that love football more than Roman Harper. And I thought this would be a great way to get a breakdown of the national championship game. But he also played for Sean McDermott in Carolina when they made their Super Bowl run. So he'll give us some, some good insight
1: on these playoffs as well. Love it. Love it. Can't wait to dive into this. Here is our conversation up next with Roman Harper. So we're back
2: with our special and first guest ever, Saints Hall of Famer, Alabama alum, Roman Harper. He will always be number 41. That's the only way I can remember him. And I can remember him at his pro day. I can remember him at the Super Bowl. I can remember him playing for Carolina. And I can remember hanging out with him on Folly Beach. South Carolina. And that's the kind of man he is. He's, he's, he's a family man. He's an athlete, but he's loyal. And he's working for sec network doing his thing. And he loves football. He loves the Lakers and Roman. Thanks for joining us. And you know, man, I just hope you're doing well. And you know, right off the bat, man, we just need to get your take. Give us the take on Bama, Ohio state. I I know who you're picking. Now, are you laying the seven and a half?
0: (laughs) Hey, you know what, Jim? First of all, thanks for having me, man. This is a, a great opportunity, man. I appreciate you guys. Drinks up to you guys yes. uh, for inviting me tonight. Thank you, guys. Um, I, I don't know about the 7 and, a half, and I'm a little nervous. Only because I just witnessed Ohio State play the best game I've seen them play in two years. Like, that. Like we're, we are fresh off of that, you know? So that's a little scary. I mean, that was very intimidating. No matter how strong your team is, that was a, OK. That was a very reckoning moment. Because nobody anticipated, I picked Clint, I picked Ohio State to win, but I wasn't like a thousand percent sure as I should have been after watching the game. It was not even close. And watching Ohio State play the best game we've seen them play in two years, um, I knew Justin Fields was good, but man, he showed off big time arm strength, being able to throw the ball accurately down the field. I have not seen him throw the ball that accurate down the field uh, before in the tape that I had seen before. i I also seen him miss a lot of reads I've seen him hold on to the ball way too long. I've seen the offensive line that did not look as dominant as they did against Clemson. I watched the defense that all of a sudden seemed a defensive line that came out of nowhere. Not so much as their interior defensive line. I really like this guy, Tommy. Hold on. I've been working on his name. I, I got to get it. It's Tommy Tugi, uh, Togi. 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 I. That's it. Tommy Togi. I. Number 72. Dude is a boss. He's like 6'2. 300 pounds shoots his hands is disruptive all game long. He literally destroyed Michigan State himself, like from the very first play all the way through. And their other D tackle, uh, Daryl Haskell, is another guy number 92. So 72, 92 are very disruptive in the middle of that defense. And I think that is their strongest part of them, and that they beat teams from interior on. I think Alabama will come out with a similar game plan, is what they did against Georgia, which is more running the ball early but we want to run it laterally we're not going to run right at you as big as georgia was they had no chance if you try to run right at those guys early in the game you want to make them chase you first then set up the play action and then be able to wear them down then you'll start to have some success running downhill you know
2: roman i think that's an interesting point you bring up about interior pass rushers and we dealt with this in new orleans with with drew being six feet tall and yeah. we, when we had carl nicks and jyrie evans who I don't think there was is a I don't know in the history of football if there's a better guard tandem, but somebody will have to tell me if there is. But when nobody's coming up the middle, that quarterback is safe. It's a clean pocket. The tackles, all you gotta do is
0: just get them, get them running up the field, just push them by. You can run them by. You can run, run by. them by all game long. People don't understand that everybody's always and look, I, I fall victim of that because a lot of times I don't like talking about interior linemen unless they're really good. <laughs> I just I, to me. I hate it when people like I was I was on a radio show uh, this year, Jim, this past year, last year. And I was talking there and everybody in Carolina was so excited about Matt Paradis, right? Signing this center. I'm like, dude, like (laughs) I get it. But if that's your highest free agent is a center where you're you're, and I part of my language, you're shit up creek, bro. Like you are shit up creek right now because you got to understand, first of all, centers never have one on one blocks. They don't win them. All right, 90% of the time they don't win them. They're always got help to their right and their left. And I said, if you go back to Wee football and I take this from my guy Smoke, if you go back to Wee football, who's the last person picked? It's like, yeah, the one snapping the ball. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. Right. That's exactly what I'm saying. So it, started,
1: to me, I don't they, like
0: talking about interior linemen. Guards, I love if they're really good and big. Like I've been around two of the greatest ones in Carl and Ja. And uh, But I mostly love offensive tackles just because
2: you know, they're used to playing on the island. They have a different swag about them. Hey, tackles tackles walk down the street, and you know they play in the NFL. A center walks <laughs> down the street, and you probably saw them at your bar the night before. <laughs> exactly. That's how I always said it. <laughs> hey, so, Roman, so getting into the NFL a little bit. Um, and by the way, what are you sipping on tonight? What do you got?
0: Uh,
2: I, I got a Stella to start
0: us off, uh, Stella Artois, and then uh, – I got a little Crown Royal Reserve over here on the back shelf, waiting on me for when I finish this off. Depending like on that. how the conversation
2: goes, I like that beer
1: before. How, what does, how does the expression go? Beer before liquor. Never been sober.
2: That's a, that's for amateurs.
1: Oh, okay, it doesn't matter when you're a pro. It doesn't dude, matter, dude.
0: I've been doing this since college. You, Jim Scouting you better know. You better recognize.
1: That's right. Yeah, you, you,
2: you had the full rundown on him.
1: You know I don't you know. can handle it.
2: before you came on i was telling tyler i was like man we could probably sit here for about an hour and a half and really talk as i "I don't want to take roman's time up all this about everything but yeah at another point i think it would be fun to talk about you know the process of what it was like for me to scout you and what you were what it was like for you to go through that process but that'll be for another pod okay cool i would love that's a guarantee that's a promise all right appreciate that so roman let's get in with sean mcdermott right now up here in buffalo where we are it's like man, this guy can't do much wrong. And really, I'm pretty proud of the fact that, you know, we did a pretty thorough, you know, coaching search and research and, and to see Sean really do this. And and obviously he brought in Brandon Bean and, and, you know, those two have a relationship and it's working. Are you, are you at all surprised? Are you, um, I'll, I'll put it to you this way. What what impressed you with Sean when that year you guys you know you made the Super Bowl with Sean? Yep. What did you see in him that you you're not surprised about? I, I thought he was a I thought
0: he was really he was really good in the details right detail oriented which is huge. Uh, whenever you want to lead men, especially a, a group of men that come from all walks of life and that you got to get us all to buy into one thing, one mission, one goal, having one mindset, he was really good at that because he was very consistent in the things that he talked about, the goals that we were trying to achieve, the mission that was ahead of us, making sure we all stay focused and in point, understanding that we're always not gonna always agree. That's fine. And that, um, and we got him to even lighten up a little bit more that, hey, you know what? Not all these guys are gonna be straight arrows either, right? We need a little bit of some crooked arrows in the group, right? We need some guys that's gonna get down and do some dirty work for us. So giving and taking with those things, I think Sean grew when he saw the success that we were able to have that maybe it wasn't always as traditional that you may have this sense of what success is supposed to look like, or what success is supposed to feel like. And sometimes it's completely not that at all right, you have this soft, this this false sense of where your goal is probably or how do you achieve your goal you think it's this way and it's really not at all. I think he learned a lot from that I think he learned from the success that we were able to have and. The consistency of his, his messages and things of that nature, I think that's what's really helped carry him over. And also having Brandon Bean there to support him and back him. I always knew Bean was gonna be good. Bean would come talk to me about everything at practice. He would come up to me. I'd be sitting on the on the sidelines at Carolina. And of course they weren't, I didn't practice all the time. They really take get great care of me when i was here I, I really enjoyed it it's so different than what i was in new orleans where you practice hard everybody's grinding all day and <laughs> how can you not be practicing when drew Brees at 40 years old is grinding right it's like dude i just want to rest my legs drew ain't running like me but anyways that's a different story um carolina did a great job of doing that and on those times i would talk to bean all the time on the sidelines he'd ask me about my life he'd ask me about different players my mindset on, on different things that i saw within our own team and uh, so I knew he was always going to be the next one. Steve Wilkes was another big fan of his, too. Uh, they always were buddy-buddy. So it's been really good just seeing that whole Carolina uh, North uh, really just kind of take off. And I, I think you can't say enough great things about Josh Allen, too. You know, you wouldn't have the success. Coaches are only as good as their players, and the players have matured in the right way. And I think they've done a good job organizationally with providing those players with so many things to get an edge, whether it's taking care of the body, masseuses, doing all the little things correctly inside the building because let's be honest, Buffalo's not a free agent destination. All right. So unless you get them in the summer, like that's it. So to be it. So when you know you're that type of place, you got to know who you are. I think they do that. They do know they are. So they do all the extras for the players to make sure that they get the best of what they can have and, and feel good about where they're at.
2: You you couldn't be more correct. The the owners of the Bills, the Pagulas, are, are so big on the health of the players. And what what does it take to keep everybody healthy? Sean was big on that. Beans big on that. That that's setting the culture. When people say when yes. people want to talk about culture, the culture is how can we get healthy for the playoffs? How can we keep the players like what you just said about not practice, that's I think that's great to hear about Sean maybe let, or you know at the time I guess Coach Rivera. Letting you have some days off, and or getting you healthy, and getting you to the game. Right, There's some guys that you got to just get them to the game.
0: Yep, and, and just, just, like just, yeah. just get me there and let me just go. Like I'm not gonna miss a game. I, I'll be all right. And I and you know, and you trust your prep and your study, right? When you become a veteran player in this league, that's played a lot of snaps and plays, like I had played at that time. It was like, <laughs> dude, I don't need, I don't need work on Wednesday. Like I'll, I'll, I'll be just fine. You don't have to worry about my breath, my my wind my my stamina i'll be just fine so you know getting that extra you know that monday tuesday getting in my routine going through the training room hot tub cold tub my own workout schedule uh very beneficial uh when everybody's on the same page and they trust their veteran guys around it kurt coleman told me that was his favorite part about being in buffalo was why it was so good was just the way that they treated the players and the way that they went about as an organization when making sure you're giving and allowing the players to have every opportunity to do everything they can to be healthy and protect their bodies and look after themselves. Because we all know, man, once about October, November hit, bro, you can't go outside no more. So you got to do all the other little things indoors, keep it fun
1: indoors. Uh, Roman, I wanted to ask you this. I mean, today, I, uh, hopefully you don't live on Twitter like a lot of us do, but like a video of the bills all dancing at practice and they're having fun. And it was MC hammer was playing and that's kind of been the theme. Like guys are themselves, Stephon Diggs is happy. He wasn't happy in Minnesota. <laughs> but um, what's, what kind of surprised me was, and so, I, so I covered the Bills kind of at the end of Rex, Sean McDermott comes in and talking to uh, several players, Sammy Watkins being one of them. I got the sense that, you know, Sean McDermott wouldn't be able to connect with players. Like, like, like we're yeah. kind of seeing this year, that the guys wouldn't be able to kind of be themselves and have fun. I mean, the, the rhetoric that some of the players used players that were kicked out the door by Sean McDermott and Brandon Peen wasn't very kind so somebody who was with Sean are you surprised I mean because I'm kind of surprised that guys can be themselves and have fun and they're just rolling they're unstoppable right now I didn't expect to see players out there just being themselves under a coach like this
0: so I, I think you're right in, to a degree, right? That when Sean is a little—I'm uh, trying to think of the right word. It's not rigid. It's not awkward. It's uh, like, hey,
2: dude, Roman, what is it? Rigid was close because I told Tyler <laughs> that I kind of always thought Sean was a little stiff. Yeah, it's something like that.
0: Like it's like I like he's him not as like a safety. Outlet. I picture
2: him as a straight line safety. I never I saw him right, play. Right, right,
0: right, right, <laughs> right. He is. Yes, he's not. He's going to do everything by the book. You know, he's like, oh well. You know, man, if we gotta be at our feet at 12 yards, we gotta have our feet at 12 yards. I'm like, bro, let me play. Like, I'm feeling run, like, I'm gonna go up, you know? Just like, let me go, coach, you know what I mean? Like, that was always things that, like, he would always try and be at me because I'd be like one of the last ones on the field. I'm like, dude, I got it, man, it's practice, bro. Like, I'm not gonna run, you know? Cause he, you know, he wants everybody, oh, let's let's run on the field, let's do this. I'm like, bro, I'm like, you're 11. Like, I don't care about running on the field at practice. I don't, all right? So it was things like that that would say that. It makes it really hard. But our last year together in Carolina, um, we had when we went to the Super Bowl, that team was made of made up of so many different players with so many different attitudes and personalities. Um, and, you know, and it was very accepting and it was very open about that. And we coach Rivera would try and tell all the guys all the time was like, your biggest advantage is being yourselves, So don't shy away from that. Be more of who you are, and when you're and we accepting of that, and I think once Sean Sean saw that that you could be successful by encouraging every single human being to be who they are and being the best version of them, and when everybody's a little bit more accepting, you open up a lot more. You care about the player beside you. That's allowing you to play a little bit harder for that person. It means a little bit more. And let's not forget that winning does heal everything. And we all can be happy and dance into hammer time or whatever when you're winning. <laughs> it's easy then. I mean, when you only got two dubs on the schedule, like on the schedule, it's a lot harder to get out there and be dancing in the cold. But hey. when you're winning and you're playing in the playoffs, we get a check. You know, that's something yeah, to dance yeah. about.
1: Exactly. They have every reason to be in a good mood right now.
2: So, Roman, I was thinking about we were talking about Justin Fields and talking about Josh Allen. Is there a quarterback? that comes like that dual threat for, for a safety it, who was a headache for you who, who's a quarterback the week we were playing somebody you're like man this is gonna be this is gonna be a wild one so it, it's so hard to say because
0: at quarterback that's still not really the norm as I've been out for what almost four years now These last three to four years is when all that's become a lot more normal. That's the newer cycle of what we're getting, especially with these younger quarterbacks. Um, But I watch it a lot in college now. And it's so hard, especially in college, because the offense has so many advantages. When you're able to stick the ball into the belly of a running back and the offensive line has four yards to go down the field and then you can still pull the ball out and throw it. So it's like, it's very hesitant. If I see run, do I come up? Do I have to sit back? I think that's one element of it, is that it slows down the eyes and the process of what you try and read and react or what you're teaching. And then after that, man, these kids are getting bigger and faster. Somebody like a Justin Fields, when I watch him on tape, his athleticism just jumps off the tape. This jumps off because he's so fast when he gets moving and he's a bigger quarterback. Um, and he has a big arm, he's not always, he doesn't throw with great anticipation. I'm not gonna call him inaccurate. He doesn't like anticipate a guy being open and, like a window ahead, which a lot of college quarterbacks are not great at that anyways, but that would be my only knock on him. Other than that though, you really love everything else about the player. Maybe you, you'd like for him to be in a better, I don't love the system either because I just, Ohio State quarterbacks is not trended in the right way right. in this system in the NFL. I like some kind of things where things trend in the right way. So I'm not just betting on just the player. That Because at quarterback, man, if you miss, dude, you're like, everybody might as well pack our bags like, shit, we're done. Like, unless we pull off something, like, we're done. Like, that's how it happens. Yeah. Everybody, like, you're holding everybody hostage at the whole organization with a quarterback draft.
1: Is, is Trevor Lawrence as generational, transcendent, as we all assume he's gonna be.
0: Look, man, he's got the hair. He's got the size. <laughs> he's got the arm. He he he's got the he's got the championship pedigree. Um, dude, when you see him, he's big. He's every bit of like six six. He can run. He's got a cannon forearm. He can make all the throws. The only thing that you worry is that man is. Um, when you go to bad teams that are organizationally not been run good for a long times, like, are you really? Is he going to be set up for failure or will he be successful? I think he will be successful. I think he's probably the highest rated quarterback coming out of college since probably Andrew Luck or John Elway, where he's like, oh, man, this guy just can't miss because he can literally do everything. Um, I, I think that that's where I kind of fall on him. I, I hope he's very successful. Um, I will try and root for every kid, but it's just crazy to think that ever since he took a snap his freshman year that he's supposed
2: to be the next chosen one. I'm excited. I haven't really dug into the college quarterback scene yet. Um, I've really focused on the NFL this year. I'm about to yeah. start the college guys. I did the BYU. I just looked at that BYU quarterback the other day. Um, I think he's got plenty, plenty, plenty of ability to work with. I'd be excited to get a guy like him. Yeah, I agree. Cause I think he's a guy that throws with good anticipation. I, that's what made me think of it, <laughs> it. He was the one thing I noted was, man, you don't see guys and he sees things. He's yes. running around and he knows where his, his check down and it could be across the field, but he knows it's safe. I'm like, man, he is instinctive. His arms, yes. athleticism's good. I, mean, I like I, his athleticism. He's agreed. sneaky athletic. And I like the fact when you don't play a,
0: around a whole bunch of talented guys, what happens when you put him with some talent? That matters to me. That's why when I saw Kyle Trash struggle so bad, I was like, he should have opted out or Because what it does, no matter how brave Kyle Trask was or how much of a man he was for going out there and playing, and I'm not gonna knock him, but I'm saying it shines the light on some of your, your scars when you don't play well, and that's the last impression that we get of any player. No matter right or wrong, you can't erase that from your memory. It's just not gonna go away. And all of a sudden now you're like, well, he didn't have all of his players. I'm like, yeah, but Zach Wilson ain't playing with no, Nobody on Florida's level.
2: So tell me what else is wrong. It's like painfully slow. <laughs> like their receivers are painfully slow. And yeah. I'm, I'm like, I, and, it's like watching Northwestern.
0: It's like, dude, Northwestern has to do everything right. I, and th- their team, that's a great example of when I see so many bad teams in college play bad defense, it lets me know it has absolutely nothing to do with the players. It is all coaching and defense is about effort. Like discipline, doing all the little things right. I'm watching a, a 5'11, 212 pound, that's what they got him listed as, Sam linebacker for Northwestern play. I'm like, <laughs> how in the world is this guy even out there? You know what I mean? I'm like, and he's making plays. And it's because they all do their job, every single one of them. At the DBs, they backpedal. All right. They plant and break. They keep things in front of them. They don't give up the big move. Nobody's busting coverages. Like, Teams are disciplined, and you see when teams are not disciplined as well. It just really stands out to me when, um, you know, when you see certain things happen over and over and over. I was and You see it in the NFL at times, too, and it's just funny because I, now that I watch so much college, I cannot transition my eyes to or to just go away of what I'm used to seeing, which is professional-grade football. Are you
2: shocked by the gap of talent when you watch <laughs> an offensive line in college, oh. against an offensive line in the NFL, it's and and, and this is where I'm going to lead with this question. So my friends, they they're you know whatever they're they're saying they're big Philadelphia Eagles fans from Pennsylvania, and they're saying that Penn State could beat the Eagles. No way. It, what <laughs> if, would the score? How about this? If Jacksonville, worst team in the NFL this year, played Alabama, how bad? What was the score? Uh, I think they beat Alabama by let's say 14 oh that's so, close okay so that's closer than i thought
0: yeah i think they beat be about 14 i i think this alabama team is really freaking good though like I, I i think this alabama team is really good roman you um, you got me on that one Four I, I i do i don't think they're secondary i think they would get eight up defensively i think they would get eight up but i think this offense could actually like challenge some people and um but you're right, though. I mean, you're probably right, 14, 17. That's still a big margin. Of, like, they're, they're, it's not going to be close. I think they physically get dominated, and that would be the shocking part. It was like, man, how can Alabama get physically dominated? I'm like, uh, it's pros. That is how. a lot of guys right. that are really good on Alabama's team, but they not, like, grown men. That is – I don't think people understand. When I say it's a grown man's game, it's, like, grown men are out there <laughs> running around, really big people hitting people at really high velocities of speed. And there ain't no targeting rule in the league. Like Cats is still taking people out in the league, which is good. Um, I appreciate that part of it because when I watch college, I'm like, this targeting stuff is got to, it's killing the game. Oh my God. It's killing, killing the game games. Um, and it's not killing the game because it's such a bad rule. But the fact that you are disciplining these kids by kicking them out, like that's that part, the, yeah. that part is terrible. I, I think you gotta have, look at some kind of intent or make it two of them or something you can't just throw kids out why would you punish the amateurs more than you actually punish the professionals that do the hey, same thing
2: what did greg williams used to say if you were beat uh what's far if i was if i was greg williams used to say if i was coaching college and as soon as you beat me as a corner or a safety i'm tackling you <laughs> well you You're could because t- you can in college yeah i and, see i see how State do it all the time on film these last right? couple weeks
0: i i they, they, they play in zone. They got terrible eyes. Their eyes are in the backfield <laughs> all the time. Any double move or something, they just like running and grabbing receivers. That's yards, all they're 15, doing.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: And there's nothing. Yards, they don't throw any flags. Yeah.
1: Roman, with that, that Clemson linebacker last week, like watching that in real time, he gets kicked out the target and roll Like that just seemed like, like such a bang-bang routine hit that nobody even bats an eye a few years ago. What was your interpretation of I can't remember his name, you know, he
0: got ejected. Yeah, Skowski is his name. So it was the actual definition of a um, a targeting, like he lowered his head, like lowered hit with the crown of the head. The biggest coaching thing for that, though, is like, like I said, I don't have to harp on the the rule and kicking people out. I, I mean, throw the flag because it was a targeting by their definition. I don't like him being removed from the game. I'll always argue that point because I think the best way to teach people is not to like put them out the car, is to like teach them, like really teach them. And the real teaching moment is he has to keep his head up and see what he hits because we we just witnessed the linebacker for the Pittsburgh Steelers just do that same thing. And he's still recovering to walk right now. Mm. So I'm trying to look out for your whole health, not just football, Mm. but holistically, like that is a very dangerous play. And that is a bad example of what we expect out of you to tackle as a middle linebacker. You can't do that. No matter how bad you want to hit somebody, you got to be real careful.
1: I wanted you to just rip footballs going soft. Come on, Roman. Like everybody.
0: I mean, I mean, what you want me to say? You want me to just tear his freaking face mask loose? Yeah, dude. that's what I used to. Pre- I appreciate that type that's of what football. You did. Yeah, I, I mean, I appreciate it when all of a sudden, you know. I'm at safety and I got like 12 yards of distance and I see a running back and it's just me and him that's coming in the hole. He ain't got nowhere else to go in the funnel and I get to just blow downhill and then try and blow his kneecaps out. Yes, that's the football I love. Or when I would see Mike Vilma, uh, uh, John Vilma hit Steven Jackson square in the face in the hole and I got so excited like, man, that was like big moment, big nuts, big balls moments right there in football. When you hear big men collisioning in a hole. You just don't get it. You don't see it all the time now because we're teaching young kids in the college game to remove the helmet from the game. And you cannot do that. The helmet is put is worn for protection. I don't understand why we're wearing a helmet if you don't want us to use it. Yeah. As a defender, when I'm tackling people bigger than me, I, have, I, I will hurt myself if I just go up there and squarely try and tackle this guy and get him down. He's bigger than me. So I gotta use whatever advantage I have, whether it's you know, going out a quarter or well, a quarter in this guy. So going out a lower, you know, break them up in force and you hit, you know, hit him in certain places. But um I, I definitely think you you still have to involve the helmet in the football game. I understand using it as a weapon's not great, but you still always taught to keep, you know, bow your neck and, and see what you hit.
1: Just always, I mean, that's so perfectly said, Roman. It's great to hear it from you. <laughs> I, get, I feel like the is trying to find a middle ground that doesn't exist, right? Like, mm. as long as you can hit and block and tackle and you're not playing flag football, there's gonna be injuries, there's gonna be concussions, there's there's gonna be all that, but I don't know.
0: It's that, a it, gladiator it's, sport, man. To find the
1: safe, it's never gonna be safe. It's not, <laughs> it's football.
0: It is football, we do it at the highest level. Uh, it's a gladiator sport, man, and there's no better example of it here in America. I mean, you're in the arena, everybody's cheering for people to get knocked out, blown up, like it makes the people go, you know, that was my favorite moment of football. I tell people all the time, I said, if I could get a big hit or an interception, I'd probably prefer the big hit. There's no better feeling than when you hit somebody and the whole crowd goes, ooh, just like on the instance, like it's the biggest feeling in the world when you do that to people and um, I've done it. It's the best feeling, I'm
2: telling you. Well, Roman, how about, since we were talking about Greg Williams a little bit, and we we right, did a lot them. on him after that Jets, after that end of that Raiders game when they when he got fired the next day, I kind of said, "Greg Williams, we want a Super Bowl." I, I I don't, you know, I wasn't a player. You you played for him. I will always say that guy knows a lot about football. Yeah, like, he does. I was very impressed with. I was always impressed with his knowledge on drafts and in meetings with him. Do you have? Did you like playing for Greg Williams? I love playing for Greg. Um,
0: you know, up until Greg got there, well, yeah, I don't know how much the Saints were in love with me at the time. I've been there three years, had an up and down career. <laughs> and Greg came in and he was so honest with me. It was the first time I'd ever seen somebody actually honestly talk to me about what's going on, where I'm at in my career and how I could actually improve. Before that, it was always like, do I really, am I, I'm scared to go upstairs, it's the principal's office, it was always getting slapped on the wrist, other than that, it was like no communication, right, and I've been starting for three years, and I don't know where I stand with this organization, because, you know, oh, somebody else got an extension, I'm playing okay, I've been hurt a little bit too, and last year was just a bad year, it was weird, Greg (laughs) comes in, he's like, look, First thing he tells me is how smart he is, right? He's got like a checklist. He tells me about his degrees that he has. He has this degree, I got this degree, blah, blah, blah. He's, he's got all this. Then he tells me about his FU portfolio because he's got all this money because he's been the highest paid assistant. He's been this, he's been this. He's like going down the list and I'm just like, okay, like this guy's off the chain a little bit. And then he comes and proceeds to tell me that what he thinks of me as a player and that he thought I was a really good player that He's like, the biggest thing is that you need some little bit more discipline and that you got to do everything the right way. But you got to trust me. He's like, you got to trust me. He said, before I got here, when I got here, I I knew who you were. And I I think you're a hell of a ball player. He said, he said, they asked me, did I want to trade for Leron Landry? I told him, no, I'm good. I got Roman Harper. Like, I don't need Leron Landry. He's like, he was like, so when he told me that, I'm like, okay, this guy believes in me. All right. And then he starts telling me, he said, look, you just got to trust me. All right, but i i can use you in this defense like you can be a real weapon and a force for us he said but you got to trust me you got to put in the work and if you do that i promise everything will be just fine and i was just like deal like you got me something i'm in with you and that very first year i made a pro bowl and then from there we just kind of built on everything and we had so much success he always talked to me about what he was thinking pre-game about what our mindset was you know i i, I never forget during warm-ups, he'd always come to me because of the defense we ran. A lot of times, offenses would adjust because of what I was doing. I was a safety in the inverted two concept, so I could blitz off the edge. I could play flat. I could play man-to-man on a lot of times on tight ends. I could do all these things. And he said, hey, look. So he said, this game, everybody knew how much the Saints loved to blitz under Greg Williams. He's like, look, all first, third down, I'm going to play two. I'm just going to show blitz, but I'm going to back off. He said, and then... And, And then I loved how he would go so mental into the game. He would be like, so what I'm gonna do is on the first third down, I'm only gonna play coverage. I'm gonna play, I'm gonna show this and I'm just gonna drop back all game. And then he said, when I get the quarterback to sell, one Mississippi, two Mississippi. And he said, he's gonna throw the ball because he thinks we're gonna be coming. He's gonna be getting rid of it. Then the second, third down, he's gonna be like one Mississippi, two Mississippi. And then he said, He's going to throw the ball then. He said, when I get to three, I'm going to strike that motherfucker down. I'm coming out in the <laughs> rest of the day." So that was his game. And he would tell us this. And I'm like, okay, Greg, let's let's go light him up. Let's go. So we knew what we were going into. It wasn't a surprise. So every third down, boom, we playing coverage. Boom, we playing coverage. Boom, we playing coverage. And all of a sudden, that quarterback gets a little comfy. And then, boom, we're striking it up from there. So um, those are the things that I always appreciate about Greg, that he always... He had scripted anger. He's a great coach at times. I mean, but his, his bullet points in the defensive mean would be hilarious. Cause we had Pearson Prelude. I thought Greg was just a crazy psychopath, but Pearson Prelude had known this guy forever. He was like, no, this is just who he is. It's all scripted anger. So anything in red, he's going to yell, you know, say all these crazy cuss words and blah, blah, blah. And then the very next sentence is like in black and normal. And he talks normal. It's like all scripted anger. He's like, dude, it's just scripted anger. And it's not, he just, that's what he does. But he's the only person I've ever seen a coach be able to get so many wild, crazy dudes to be able to buy in that fast for a culture change that if you didn't buy in, um, you would have been called out about something. And uh, you know the players held each other accountable to each other. And that was one of the things I truly, truly remember and loved about the teams that
2: we had there. We were so good and so together. That Super Bowl team, Roman, so much with the Saints always goes to offense with Drew and Coach Payton. People forget the, the turnovers you guys created that year. We won the Super Bowl. And it, it, that defense was special. There there was so much talent. And I always thought this with Greg Williams, and he always said this, whatever they do well, that's how I'm going to use him.
1: Mm-hmm. So when we
2: had draft meetings and we'd be talking about a safety, and I'll, I'll use Chip Vaughn from Wake Forest. Right. And I remember Chip. We dra- you remember Chip. Chip had, right? Third round. Big fans. Look, look, when I
0: saw Chip's draft, we asked Chip, like, Chip, what did you run in the 40s? He's like, 4'3". Yeah. Like, what? How big are you? Oh, 6'3", like 6'2", 215. Two, I'm like, bro, how'd you get drafted in the third or fifth round? Like, what so did you So I'm going to tell you how. how. Like,
2: like, what did you do wrong? <laughs> <was> like, so, <laughs> Greg Williams was at that pro day at Wake Forest with me. And it's hard not to, I mean, like you just said, that's what, yeah. you're, looking oh. for. That's what you're looking for everything else was kind of missing did chip love football he did not was chip a ball hawk he was not was he a hitter he was not What well, he was was kind of good at everything he just never what, what did he do great nothing right and then he got hurt and blah 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 but he chip vaughn like guys like that greg williams is like hey i'll i can i'll find a way to get this guy. like i'll find a way to use him and, and maybe he could have if he didn't get hurt and whatever mm-hmm. but I I always respected that about Greg Williams where I liked how he always wanted the positive of the player and I'll use that. And I always thought that was pretty special.
0: I I think so too. And a great example of that was, you know, he would tell all everybody in the defense, you know, because the most of the, the most teams are built with more defensive players and offensive players because defensive players have to play special teams. So we would have more guys up for the game day. And he would always be like where there was somebody like Marvin Mitchell or Jolon Dunbar. Like, if you're up and dressed, we're gonna have a package where you're in, whether it's like five linebackers, one play, but we're gonna call this one play on this third down or whatever for this look. And everybody's like, dude, I get my one shot. I'm going to get my production for that one play. So as long as you were up or dressed, you normally had some kind of set or play, So you felt more involved with everything as well. I I think that's another thing that Greg did a great job of when he was with us was making sure everybody felt involved Everybody had their hand in everything. And, dude, the, the jokes that we continue to make, I mean, foul jokes that there's no way we could get away with nowadays. Like, terrible jo- I mean, <laughs> dude, we made fun of so many people, and everybody was on alert. I mean, everybody. Nobody <laughs> nobody was off limits like nobody. So it was, <laughs> it was funny what we would talk about in those defensive meetings. Well, hey, man, I think we're going to let you go tonight. Um, I think we need to do this again. Yeah. You know what, Jim, I want you to tell me what was really said when I got drafted, because I hear Sean Payton's version of the story where <laughs> it's almost like, dude, it's almost like, like I was, I'm like the six and a half that just got the date. Right. And then he ended up marrying me. He was like, he was like, you were safe. You know, I was like, dude, is that even good? Is that a good thing that I was safe? Yes, it is a good thing because I come from a two-parent home. I go to a big university. I checked off a lot of the boxes. You know, like, oh, does he love football? Yes. Does he have, look at his tape. My tape was good. My size wasn't great. But it, like, I just checked the
2: boxes. That's what it's like. He was safe. I'm like, what does that even mean? <laughs> it. So he was. he just got hired as his first-time head coach. Yes. So when you're hired as a first time head coach and you're usually hired in February, January, February, right after the senior bowl, you, you want to sink yourself into the draft, but you really can't as a head coach. I, he, you have to change everything, right? You're putting a staff together. You, you have, you're trying to get your schedule set up OTAs. You're studying your own team. He's studying the, so basically he's in our draft meetings and he's relying, he was relying heavily on the scouts. Yes. And when he would ask about okay, he's looking at your numbers, right? Because the first thing when you're not watching too much tape as a like, okay, you ran good. You ran four or five. Yeah. Fine. For safety, that's no problems. Okay, what is he? Is he a ball hawk? Yeah, you know, he's gonna he can make a pick. I mean, he might drop he might drop one. You know, yeah, don't put the pro day tape on.
0: No doubt, pro day was struggle bus. It went all right. was all right you tired. were thinking
2: about other things. You were I was you were nervous through the three cone drill. Um but I'm I'm fucking around. But I really think this is when we told him he loves football, he's football intelligent, and he's going to give you everything every day. That's all he needed to hear. Like, let's take a shot on him. And when I say take a shot on him, because, you know, there were some, we talked about this before, but does Roman live a clean life? You know, does Roman, is he going home at night at the right time? Is he, getting up, is he on time for meetings? Well, everything in Alabama said yes, except for it was always, oh, he'll be there. But he'll be there on time. He will. Yeah, And he'll practice hard and he'll be in great shape. But we knew you, your lifestyle was fun. I mean, you lived a good college life like everybody else should. <laughs> no doubt. That was not a secret. That was not a
0: secret when it came. The coaches knew, my college coach, like I didn't hide that part of my life. I think that was another thing. I. I did not shy away from that. Um, it's but just I really like, cool hearing everybody's, uh, like when it all goes back, because I can only imagine what it's like to be in that that room, that war room, I guess, on draft day when, when you send in the pick and where does it come down to? Is it this, this, this? I know they also were looking at the tight end. Uh, what's his name? That Houston drafted at the beginning of the draft as well. So they woke up that morning going to draft uh, the tight end. That
2: was in, that ended up being, we ended up taking, <laughs> this is crazy. We ended up getting, um, Gyrie. It was Owen Daniels.
0: Yeah. Owen Daniels. And then they traded I trying back. To remember.
2: Yeah. Dude, Owen was Daniels to was
0: who they were going to pick. And then they said that Sean said they weren't really ready. Cause who? I was next. And they were like, that was the pick they wanted. And then they had to trade back. They got Hollis. They traded back.
2: So we were going to take Daniels in the fourth round. We had it lined up. We were actually called him. And who I forget who drafted him. Um, Houston. Houston. I'm sorry, you said that. Houston was on the phone with him when we called him, (laughs) drafting him in the fourth round. So we, you know, they put the phone down. They're like, he's getting picked. So we actually got a call to trade back with Philly. And they traded up with us. And we didn't, you know, because we were going to take Owen. This was fourth round. This was after you. And Philly trades up with us and gives us a chance. They take Max Jean from uh, Gillis, from Georgia, yep. a guard. We thought yep. they were taking Reed because he's from Philly. <laughs> well, we had Reed ready to roll. Obviously my history with him, my father was coaching him at Bloomsburg and I've known him yeah. since he was a freshman and Marone, Doug Marone loved him. And we we were just like, we just got Hollis Thomas and Jairi Evans in the fourth round. Like, are you kidding me like that draft was special you know the Saints actually put a draft together a couple years ago Roman I didn't think there would ever be a draft better than yours they're close yeah they're going to be right there at it that man. one draft they, they had with uh Kamara and the yep. right tackle and uh yep Latimore uh, Marcus Ram Williams yep. La- Marcus Williams second round Their Alvin and Roman Terry Fontenot is interviewing for some GM jobs right now. Terry Fontenot does not get hired as a GM. I honestly, there's something wrong with the NFL. That guy- I agree. I think okay. Terry
0: is so good. He's ball so down. good. I mean, I've talked to Terry about stuff for years and he loves the same way me and you, Jim, would talk. And it's just like, man, like Roman, you just kind of like, we just talk and we just talk ball. And you know, I'm very open and honest and candid. I know how to take emotions away from and separate it when I'm just evaluating players and just looking at a spade as a spade. And I've seen what ballers look like, and I've seen what hardworking guys look like, and I've seen guys that probably don't have it. And um, it takes that, man. You gotta have that finite eye. The, you know, the, you, the really good player that puts everything else together, man, because it's not just about talent in the NFL. Talent is an abundance. Everybody's got talent. That's the, the least of the concern, or you wouldn't even be out there. It comes down to being a really good pro comes down to all the little details are your eyes right are, are you are you doing the right things with taking care of yourself are you really putting in the time studying are you really doing that like for real and are you really prepared to go out there and play your best every day and are you available all other things that that really kind of come into play to make you the
2: ultimate pro man that's well said so hey man just t- hey cheers uh give us where we can follow you on uh twitter and uh podcast what do you got going yeah, man.
0: So I, I got a podcast called uh, Kyle Bailey and Roman Harper. Uh, we put one out uh, every week. I, I think I'm, I uh, think we're going to try and record tomorrow. So good okay. luck to us. And uh, you can always follow me, man, on Twitter at heart 41 or uh, Instagram too. I'm more, more of an Instagram guy. Uh, Twitter is just kind of weird to me, bro. It's like you're always trying to make a news Yeah, stage, It's a shitty place. Yeah, <laughs> dude. It's a lot of negativity there, man. It's a lot of negativity on Twitter um instagram i feel like it's controlled vibe and anytime i hit that search button it gets real scary out there because i see a lot of things that my homeboys and my brothers are clicking on so um yeah it's pretty cool but um in the instagram follow me at harp underscore 41
1: i didn't know that you did a podcast with with kyle i've gone on this show uh i'm a, I'm a hornets guy and a Coulter wall fan and he's both oh, and yeah, dude. we've talked about my boy on the
0: radio yes i did not know that either
1: yeah that's awesome we got to listen to your podcast man i mean you two together that's got to be it has got to be a lot of fun we'll do a cross we got to do a, a cross pod we got to come on your pod
0: yeah yeah we should just have everybody just link up me and kyle come on your guys show you guys come
1: on our man, show we'll do that. Awesome. say the word awesome. all right well, roman you were amazing god thanks so much for all your time that was awesome
0: thanks guys appreciate it man roll tide man uh wish my boys good luck on monday
2: you got it mm-hmm.